Hey everyone, welcome to Front Run, where we predict the future of money and technology. I'm your host, John Cook. It's the first week of November 2022. Thank you everyone for joining me. I have a super controversial topic that we're going to cover today, at least within the startup and VC ecosystem. It's called Startups Will Not Make You Rich. When I posted this to the interwebs, I caught a lot of heat from various members of the investor and startup ecosystem. Some people called me a shill, some people called me a gritty investor, but this is the reality. This is the actual data of startups that are able to achieve an exit. And we all know the data, and this is not a knock on the entrepreneurial pursuit or being the master of your destiny. I love all of it, but it's the realization that Startups will not make you rich. This is especially true for founding team members. Think pre-seed as well, and especially for early employees. Think seed round series A. I mean, what's more admirable than throwing caution to the wind in the pursuit of the entrepreneurial dream? Seriously, how many of us envision a future where we are our own boss and the master of our destiny? I mean, the grit and determination to start your own company it for sure should be admired and rewarded, but it has to stem from an innate desire to make the world a better place with the creation of your product or service. I mean, in the absence of this, most people view the nobility of entrepreneurship really as a byproduct of wanting to be rich, which again, you will not become rich if you work at a startup. I mean, this is especially true for entrepreneurs pursuing new products in Web2 as well as the Web3 ecosystem. The catalyst behind this and the rationale for writing this analysis is really over the past week, I've had the opportunity to advise an early stage founder as he embarks on his first seed round. He was super excited. It was an amazing testament to his grit and determination to raise a seed round in the midst of this economic uncertainty. His excitement, unfortunately, was paired with discontent and confusion as he reviewed the term sheet proposed by his VC. And here's what he found. He's getting diluted a lot. His founding team members are also getting diluted a lot. His VCs want preferred shares, which is really just a fancy way of saying, I want liquidation preference with respect to an exit. That means the VCs get paid before the founders. And number the fourth point, which I think is a gotcha and a double whammy that all founders need to consider, is something called the pre-money valuation based on a post-money option pool. It's a way for founders to get diluted twice while preserving the capital of the VC. I mean, there's so much to unpack in these four points. We're going to review each one individually. But as we explore these four points and the VC's offer, we got to keep this data in mind. Number one, 90% of all startups fail. Number two, 75% of all venture-backed companies fail. And number three, the ones that don't fail, only 1%, 1%. Of startups will reach a billion dollar or greater valuation this is not on, this is not a knock on the entrepreneurial pursuit self-agency mastery of your destiny and the acceptance that you are your own savior are characteristics we should all embrace if you have an amazing idea that you think is going to revolutionize the world then burn the midnight oil and get it done but this is a warning that if your goal in creating a startup or joining a startup is to make money, then you should pass. Let's explore the first point of contention, which is founders getting diluted a lot. Okay, 
Most entrepreneurs and startup enthusiasts generally agree that dilution will occur as your company raises more money. But that's okay because in the aggregate, the fully diluted value, which is all of the outstanding stock that is issued plus all of the outstanding stock that could be issued, will increase each round. Simply put, your, own, your percentage ownership in the company decreases, but the aggregate value of your share increases. I mean, imagine you have a company with 10 million shares, 80% belongs to you, 20% belongs to the other co-founders of your team, perhaps burning the midnight oil while they work full time. Before you close the round, you have 10 million shares, but it's worth nothing, zero dollars. Then you go to a VC, do the pitch, they love you, and they say, all right, we're gonna give you $2 million at a $5 million pre-money valuation. You celebrate and rejoice. But now you're diluted a little bit. And here's where the problems begin. Add a seed round with a $7 million post-money valuation where the founder previously owned 80%. Best case scenario, they're gonna own between 50 and 60% afterwards, probably in the mid-50s. This is because the aggregate share count increases. It went from 10 million to 14 million, and the VC's got to get paid, right? So the aggregate shares owned by the founder in terms of percentage ownership decreased from 80 to maybe 55, 57. But the flip side is that the founder is now a paper millionaire. His shares, they're worth about 4 million bucks. Before the round closed, they were worth zero. I mean, this looks enticing, right? I'm not making a good case, but keep listening. You'll see why. If you play this out all the way through Series G, maybe five to six rounds later, the founder will probably own between 10 and 10 and 20% of the firm if they're lucky. But now, but now it's valued at a billion dollars. And this is what the VC typically says. 16% of 1 billion is worth way more than 80% of zero. And technically, the VC is correct. In this example, if the founder sold his company for $1 billion with a $7 million post-money valuation, he would generate about $570 million of new wealth. It's truly generational wealth creation. Even at a $1 billion with a B post-money valuation at a $1 billion exit, it would still produce $160 million of new wealth for the founder also amazing. The problem with this scenario is that it is the rosiest of rosiest outcomes. I challenge every listener to name one company that closed a $7 million round and was subsequently raised for a billion dollars. I mean, you can name like what? Three, four, five, Instagram? It just doesn't happen. Startups eventually need to raise a second round. And here's the problem. Only 48% of startups who raised the seed round were able to raise the second round. And only 15% of startups within that subset of 48% went on to raise past the third round. It's undeniable. In a recent CB Insights Venture Capital Funnel review of 1,119 companies, only 13, 13 exited for over $500 million and just five exited for over a billion. That's five out of 1,119. And can you name them? I'm sure you know them. It's Uber, Airbnb, Stripe, Slack, and Docker. So to every founder and early employee listening to this podcast, ask yourself, is my company going to be the next Uber? The next Airbnb? 
have an honest conversation about your total addressable market and the company's ability to influence market share. My guidance to founders is to focus on exit values that are less than $100 million because that is truly where the majority of exits occur. In fact, the Founders Collective published a two-year review of its exits and outlined that the median value was around $44 million. That's the median exit value of all companies in its portfolio. And when, we, when this Founders Collective Fund looked at all of the exits that were under $100 million, it's even worse. The average exit was $28 million. So this idea, this utopia of exiting for a billion dollars and generating $150 million of wealth, it doesn't happen, right? In fact, almost 60% of the companies that exited in their portfolio did so for a sum lower than the average pre-money valuation of their Series A. It's wild. I mean, their conclusion, founders should pay more attention to the less than $1 billion exits. Founders do not have a portfolio of startups to spread risk. There's no hedging in a startup. We can even extrapolate this to a larger, more robust analysis from PitchBook. They reviewed 10,000 exits. 10,000 exits. And what they found is that over 70% of all startup exits that were able to achieve an acquisition or a liquidation event were completed for under $100 million only 0.35% or 0.035 achieved unicorn status. Now, I'm looking at this using pre-COVID M&A data, which might catch some heat because a common rebuttal I heard is that the data is maybe two years old. But my point of view is that this is intentional. It is my opinion that the growth we experienced in 2021 through 2022 was really a byproduct of loose monetary policy. The wealth creation we experienced over the past 24 months in the public and private markets has been decimated by an about face of our central bankers truly on their quest for legacy. I wrote a lot about it in two of the guides. You guys can read it if you're interested. It's called 40 Years of Failed U.S. Monetary Policy and Welcome Back to Work Diamond Hands. But we're seeing this manifest itself in real ways. This is not some fringe movement. In 2022, the contraction of valuations for pre-IPO startups was undeniable. Forge Global, which is a secondary market for pre-IPO startups, disclosed that companies on its platform are trading at a 41% discount relative to its last funding round. I mean, if you, that means if you bought equity in a privately held company on Forge Global at a dollar per share, Today, the first week of November 2022, it's trading at 41% of a discount to that dollar. Absolute disaster. And their conclusion, the worst is yet to come. Forge Global essentially predicts that private markets lag public markets by about one quarter. My theory is that economic uncertainty is going to persist as investors continue to flee to safety. The cost of capital is going to continue to go up as central banks double down on funding rates on their quest to 2% inflation. I mean, practically speaking, guys, this means that the risk for rate of return is going to go up. You can see this in 10-year government notes. It's currently yielding over 4%. 
as public and private valuations go down on the backdrop of more macroeconomic uncertainty related to inflation, supply chain issues, flat wage rates, and global uncertainty with respect to Russia, Taiwan, and more. So back to our founder. Like, what does this mean? My advice is don't expect a unicorn. During an era of loose monetary supply, less than 1% of all VC-backed companies had a $1 billion exit. In 2023 and beyond, it's time to manage expectations and focus on a best case, best case scenario of a $50 million exit. I mean, if we assume a $50 million exit based on all of the data we reviewed, it means typical founder is going to walk away with, with about $11 million in the best case scenario. Now, again, you might say, John, $11 million, that sounds freaking great. Sign me up. But pause for a moment and consider the funnel from C to acquisition once you're able to get to Series C is 15%. 15% after Series C. And this takes into account that the average time to exit is 11 years. There is an opportunity cost founders and early employees need to consider relative to their earnings potential. I mean, think about it. What would your earnings potential be if you went to work in finance, consulting, or big tech? Compare that against working at a startup or joining a startup. Is the risk of potential income that you might lose worth it? Hell, can you even afford it? With this founder, we're framing the opportunity cost against the opportunity cost against compensation at a big tech or management consulting firm. The numbers I'm about to provide, I think, are actually a little low, but they serve as a reminder that founders are giving up a stable income stream for substantial uncertainty. This uncertainty is way more measurable, quantifiable, and apparent for experienced hires who want to quit their own company, who want to quit their company, and start their own company as an entrepreneur. I mean, consider someone working in big tech finance consulting for 10 years. These people command a compensation between $300,000 and $400,000 a year, if not more. That means over an 11-year window, they're going to earn somewhere between $3.5 and $4.5 million. That's great. I mean, if they have the courage to leave their golden handcuffs and pursue a startup as a founder, they're going to encounter two challenges. Number one, in the beginning, they're going to earn $0.00. Zero dollars. Founders I know went to start their own company. They literally paid themselves nothing for the first couple of years and they have to draw on savings. But eventually, as the startup grows, their VCs will grant them a salary that will be less than what they make at big tech 100% of the time. So if the founder has an $11 million exit, then yeah, the journey was worth it. They will net about $8 million more compared to their big tech golden handcuffs role. The risk, here's the risk. If the startups fail to exit, the founder will realize about $2.5 million in miscompensation. This is the opportunity cost that founders should explore as part of their journey to wealth creation. It's the risk reward profile relative to working at a Google, at a McKinsey, or the best case highest paying firm that'll hire you. Ultimately, I close this podcast by encouraging every founder or everyone who's thinking about starting their own company to answer the following question. 
Would you rather make $4 million in 11 years or have a 15% chance of making $12 million and an 85% chance of making $1.3 million? Only the founder can answer that. If you think it's bad for the founder, it's absolutely abysmal for the founding team and early employees. We're going to cover that topic in more detail in part two of this podcast. But until then, if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button, share it with your friends. Hell, if you didn't like it, leave a comment and let me know what you think. That's what's great about podcasts and the internet. You can share your point of view, and if others disagree with you, they can tell you why. What a novel concept. Until then, happy reading. Talk to everyone very soon. Take care.